This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make wind turbine lightning protection easy. If you're a wind farm operator, stop settling for damaged turbine blades and constant downtime. Get your uptime back with our strike tape lightning protection system. Learn more in today's show notes or visit weatherguardwind.com slash strike tape. Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall. I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. In our show today, we got a bunch of great topics. So first, we're going to talk about, this isn't current news, it's old news, but uh, a little bit news to us and worth mentioning, which is uh, a blade flew off of a windmill. Uh, narrowly missing some homes uh, back in the end of 2019. So we're gonna talk about kind of the implications about in general, what happens when things go wrong with uh, with wind turbines. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about GE and their different businesses and what their outlook uh, looks like for the future. And a little bit about offshore wind and people's conceptions about it because we know that some opposition, especially here in the US is about the aesthetics and people's beautiful view out into the uh the blue ocean and then our second segment we're gonna talk a little bit about the nrg bat deterrent system uh it's been recently just installed on a few wind farms and obviously in an effort to be a little more environmental fr- environmentally friendly and keep uh, these little animals safe that eat all of our mosquitoes for us <laughs> and then lastly we'll t- chat a little bit about european renewables and standardization for systems on wind turbines so alan the big 2-0 show 20 yeah show 20 and we got a blade flying off down in new jersey how about that yeah that's that's an interesting news story i hadn't seen that news story when it came out i don't know why it showed up in the news feed again recently but the video is pretty amazing did you see how far that blade went yeah it's terrifying I mean, those things have so much power. They, I mean, you see these things in the distance, the you know, the big ones, and they look like they're going kind of slow, but the tip speeds are, you know, 180 miles per hour or whatever. So yeah, they're this one was not a massive one. This was on a no. on a metal kilowatt. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's in a neighborhood, which I think is well. It just depends on what you think of it as a neighborhood, but that's that's like a neighborhood. Now, there's a lot of homes around there, so when that blade came off, it. They're very lucky it didn't hit a car or a house or a person. So they're just fortunate, really fortunate. Yeah. Well, and and I think the bigger point here is also, I think especially with new technologies, when something goes wrong, like for example, when one of the Tesla self-driving cars, you know, hit a person, everyone's like, oh my God, this this, this can't work. This stuff is so dangerous where in reality, comparing it to all the other things that could potentially kill you or cause destruction. Um, I mean, do you feel like there's a negative misconception about the wind industry or not so much, or where do you fall on, on incidents like this? Do these set any, set them back at all? It used to happen a lot more than it does now. And I think it's just because there's been more oversight and as the turbines have gotten larger, it's the consequences are higher. So there's more redundancy into there and to, all the systems, not just the blades themselves. But on older blades, you got to wonder how often they're looked at, inspected, maintained, particularly on these smaller turbines. Mm-hmm. Who's watching? Who's watching that? Who's, well, now everybody's watching it. 
but you got to wonder if the township there is going to have a little more to work to do on their, on their wind turbines to make sure that they just don't set them and forget them. Right? Yeah. You, you, to require maintenance, they're like owning an automobile. You you need to go out and do some maintenance on it, make sure everything's A-OK. Because that, that pic, those pictures look like it, it broke off right at the hub. Like the bolts just sheared off, which either indicates bolts had loosened or or elongated holes or it's been vibrating for a while. That's That wasn't didn't happen immediately. That looks like a longer-term issue with just probably just not being overseen as much to get that kind of failure. Yeah, I I, I pictured good. the old guy in his overalls climbing up there. Name's Red. Oh, there's your problem. <laughs> just like no bolt. There's like no nuts left. They all work themselves loose. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like no one's been up there in 20 years. But I mean, that's there's mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, have you, you've seen that other video where that one was caught on tape in like a crazy storm where it started just going so mm-hmm. fast where it just couldn't like deregulate itself and slow back down. Yeah. And it just went faster and yeah. faster until the whole thing just blows up essentially. Exploded. That's remarkable. <laughs> Cause I mean, it, the thing crumpled like it was made of paper and those things mm-hmm. are not made of paper. <laughs> They're made of very strong no. steel. And uh, it just shows how much energy they produce. I mean, just how well, sure. they look so graceful, but they are terrifying terrifying when they're working they're graceful (laughs) yeah yeah um so speaking of of turbine manufacturers uh ge is still having trouble and they say um some reporting here that it's their coronavirus trouble is likely to hit not just their aviation business which has been hit hard but also potentially their power and some of their wind turbine business so do you think shareholders of ge should ge executives be pretty concerned do you see ge going anywhere i don't think GE's going anywhere even though their stock price is dan what's their stock price uh, it's like six dollars and 30 cents plus or minus as of today well okay well that's trouble the because that's just a, a an economic value of the company from an outsider's perspective that's mm-hmm. what the stock prices right so they're not valuing the company as having a, a lot of extreme value compared to at least to where it once was the aviation impact for ge could be short-term well it will be short-term painful but it could be long-term productive in a sense that they may come out stronger on the other side and, and be that well they, they've had fewer problems in some of the other aviation engine manufacturers and and so you're seeing a push towards the GE engines as being the reliable source that can also take place on the wind turbine side and and other industries that GE is in just because it's been such a long-term player and have had the ability to go get resources when they've needed it and to drive their products into the forefront when times are tough and this isn't the first time GE has been through rough times that companies 120-ish years old, roughly. Um, well, if you can look at Edison and then before they combined. So it, it's a it's an old, old company. So they've been through World War One, World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam War, uh, other pandemics, global catastrophes. GE's been able to weather that because they've always been in industries that have uh, not all synced up at the same time as being hit simultaneously in terms of um, economic downturn they've always been in some place where they're be able to make some cash and sustain the company with their stock price being down so low dan do you think 
they're going to be able to raise more cash? Or do you think that the, the, the federal government will come in and step in and say, here's some free cash, take it and firm the company up a little bit? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I know they have a lot of debt and they've lost, uh, I mean, they've, they've lost some of their ability to pay some of that debt back with some of their other business holdings taking also a dive. So it's like some of their other cash mm-hmm. cows are also now not bearing milk, I guess if that's what a cash cow would, who, who knows right. what a cash cow produces, but besides cash, but yeah, it just seems like they're gonna struggle for a while to just catch back up. Like all of their industries have been hit pretty hard and they spun off their their uh, their you know light bulbs that that side of them a while ago to you know big fanfare big like goodbye to the core business that made them so great or that put put Appliances. them on the map yeah so I, I don't know it's it seems like they've been they're just the Jack Welch era has passed and it just seems uncertain what their future is I don't know well the Jack Welch era because that happened in my neck of the woods was driven by a lot of innovation technology and at a time when the United States had an economic advantage just because still the impact of World War II was was there and um, the U.S. had a very strong economy and they had a, a lot of uh, engineers and college graduates that joined them and it just provided a, a huge burst of creativity. And so if you look at the 70s, 80s of GE, uh, there was a lot of product creativity, but there's also a lot of f- financial creativity. So they were in a lot of financial markets and able to to, to make money in financial in a financial sense, not in a physical sense, in delivering product. That all that stuff has gone away, and it seems like they're left with uh, the worst of that: the insurance part of it, which they couldn't sell off. Um, is going to be a drag on them for a while. But the I, quite honestly, their wind turbines are pretty good. Uh, all you hear is very positive things about GE wind turbines and their service and their dedication to service and their willingness to kind of go the extra mile. Uh, in the United States, the issue, I think, for GE is that everybody is freaking out about the COVID-19 and how to handle it. And in the wind industry business, there's a lot of travel that just comes with the territory. And and I, I'm sure it's, it's kind of a scary time where they're trying to keep employees engaged and keep products coming out the door but how are you going to service all those different sites that are around the world i i don't know and that and that's probably where ge is slowing it down a little bit say okay like, hey for the next couple of weeks we'll just kind of take it easy and see what happens the, the problem in the states has been is that we kind of slowed down everything uh, covid19 wise seemed to get better then it seems to spike then it seems to get better so everybody's is tentative as to what the next step is because you think you have some modicum of stability and then it just blows up and as as a corporation i don't know how you deal with that because the worst thing for a a company like ge is to have an unpredictable future right and that's where you, you earn the big dollars is to be able to work your way through those things but man it just puts such a huge mental and financial strain on corporations like that to be able to figure out what the next steps are but my gut tells me that they're going to be okay, that they're going to get through this little, well, it's a big bump in the road and come out stronger on the opposite side. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, some pretty recent news, uh, actually, as of uh, yesterday from energynews.us. So we talked about this in a previous episode, which was this wind turbine farm. They were going to, they're planning in 
the Great Lakes, so off uh, the coast of Ohio. And mm-hmm. basically what happened was that they shut this down by inserting language that they had to turn these wind turbines off at night to protect right. the wildlife. And they said, basically, right. this is going to make That's it right. not financially viable. This is just like a poison pill language insertion. <laughs> and so that was, you know, that was like a month or two ago. And so there's a, this new story out now by, again, by energynews.us saying that um, some lawmakers in the state of Ohio, but like, this doesn't make sense. Why did this happen? Because there was an environmental study that said basically that they did not need to shut down at night, that it contradicted legitimate evidence. And that it seems like this was just like a lobbying thing from, because I know the coal industry in Ohio was opposed to wind, you know, wind energy coming in. Um, so a bunch of lawmakers have said, we need to revisit this because this is sending a message that we do not want innovation in Ohio, which is not the message we want to send to future companies. So this is pretty interesting because we were talking about this and it was like, man, like why did they, why did that happen? It seems except for the obvious answer was lobbying, but now they look like they're Mm -hmm. going to turn, turn this over and this wind farm might have a chance, um, to be the first one, um, in freshwater and in the u.s so how do you feel about this new ruling that i just sprung just well, sprung on you not, well i think it, here's the thing about u.s laws is that they change rapidly mm-hmm. <laughs> as we well know right so you could take a vote one day to vote down something and the next day you could vote it up and then you could it's like, vote it's it like, down it's like again. reddit yeah yeah it's exactly like that i get concerned when you start to make such a huge financial investment a volleyball that gets tossed back and forth all the time because if you're the ones investing in that power generation site what are you thinking well i'm going to get it out there and then they're going to change their mind again it the the, and and that's and that's if you're trying to stop this thing that's all you need to do is is provide some sort of significant downside risk that makes it financially unviable unless the state wants to back it up with cash, which at this point they're probably going to have to do. They're going to have to secure some of the loans that will go on there. Otherwise, I think the the private investors are, will not be willing to, to get too involved in this if there's some sort of legislative squabble. They don't want to be there. Yeah, for sure. And so then there's another interesting article um, which is another, I guess, a main objective or objection that we've talked about in the U.S. to offshore wind, which is that people don't want their views disturbed. <laughs> you know, we're so spoiled. But University of Delaware yeah. researched this, I guess, by sort of uh, doing these online simulations where they're, you know, showing a a, a beautiful. I want to say the word bucolic, but the word bucolic is, only applies to farmland. Does what? What, what could you say about? a ocean view you know like you see a rolling ocean rolling view. hills in iowa it's such a bucolic landscape but is there a word that is the equivalent for like ocean i'm not, I'm not so. aware we should make one up and anyway mm-hmm. so they they did these studies that said they are basically polling people showing them these images and saying hey here's a projection of wind turbines you know two and a half miles offshore seven and a half miles ten miles twenty miles and uh, I guess like the conclusion is that the farther they get off, the fewer people object to it ruining their vacation, I guess. Um, but the overall conclusion is that if you know they're five miles or more away, most people become pretty indifferent to these wind farms. So do you feel like this is going to be good fodder to help offshore wind? I think that it will. As soon as they get some of the wind turbines out there, 
and it becomes commonplace. People will not think about them anymore. And I'll, I'll, I'll pose to you this. You ever walk down the street and look at all the power lines that are on, on the side of a street? And maybe Washington, Washington D.C. is not as as uh, bad as some other parts of the country because Washington, D.C. has other <laughs> priorities. But if you walk down a normal American street, the amount of wires and poles on any particular corner is astonishing. But you don't think about them anymore. You you actually block them out because yeah. you assume that they're there and you don't notice me anymore, even though they are ugly as all get out. Every time I see it, I just think, ugh. This is true. <laughs> and you forget about it. And I, I, it's sort of human nature in the way that vision works and what your brain works is that things that are stationary, you tend to forget about, particularly if you're around any length of time, you just omit them <laughs> because your brain can't process all that stuff. So anything that's new shows up first and your brain has to process it and keep looking at it and trying to figure out what's going on. And then like, oh, this isn't going to harm me. This is not, this is irrelevant in the background. Poof. It goes away, and I bet you pretty soon people won't even notice that they're there. Like if they get to the shore, they're playing in the in the in the surf, and there's kids frolicking around in the water. If you walked up to an adult out there and said, "Hey, um, did you notice the wind turbines?" They may say, "What?" <laughs> that's that's where it will be because if you if you walk down any American street and said, "Hey, did you notice the the power pole over there?" No, the street light totally didn't. Right, and it's just a matter of time. Matter of time. Well, you and I both uh, enjoy books about persuasion and human mm -hmm. psychology. You wonder yeah. why some of these companies aren't pumping marketing dollars into verbiage like to convince people. Because, I mean, you think of it this way. There's so many gross foods that people eat culturally, right? They're called, like mm -hmm. we eat cottage cheese. Have you ever thought about how gross cottage cheese is? Well, lots of people do with cottage cheese, but cheese in general is disgusting. Other countries, they yeah, eat all is. sorts of gross stuff, but whatever is normal. And when you're a little kid, your mom and dad are like, mm, this is delicious. Whereas you're like, that cockroach, that like roasted cockroach is delicious. You're like, okay, well, if mommy and daddy say it is, then I guess it is. We need to be yeah. advertising, you know, Vestas, we install these beautiful, elegant, you know, graceful, uh, pinnacles of human innovation into the landscape. Look how these fold beautifully into the into the ocean. Why aren't we doing that? Convince yes. people that these things are beautiful and elegant, which I th personally think they are. But we should be spinning this web constantly towards people who are like, oh yeah, I love seeing those wind farms. They're just like so graceful. These big white creatures out there in the sea. Whereas if we're saying get these ugly machines off of our landscape. More people are going to be like, oh, yeah, they're ugly just because someone else planned that in their brain. But we need to be we need mm. to be on the forefront attacking this that like these are kind of like graceful looking machines, which I again, I personally think they are. They're just like slow moving. They're white. It's not like they're some like they're pumping out fumes into the air like a coal plant. You know, I think right. they kind of That's I think true. they kind of fit in the landscape, especially like a ocean one. There's so many light colors and white on the blue. It's. I don't know, but something to think about. So if you're a marketing person out there, you got to start sending the, the right messages to get people on board. It's not that hard, as Dan and I know. It's not particularly hard to to convince a group of people about anything and to make the to make um, a community uh, believe in helping their neighbors, which is sort of one of those early impulses that people have is to help other people or to be part of a community. That's the way to do it. Is if, but 
you know, you got to be able to deal with the other side, which is going to be pushing back on that. I, I just haven't seen a lot of good arguments there yet. It, and it's, and I, I, here's what I think has happened. Uh, in, in, in America, we have lost trust in government. So anything the, the federal government or local government say, it's just off the list because you can't trust it. And the COVID-19 thing is not helping that. The wind turbine companies are all about trying to sell product, 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 because times are tough a little bit in their competitive marketplace. And so they haven't thought globally like that in a while. It, it'll get better. But um, you know, I, I think relying on your local, state, regional, federal government to convince people to do anything right now is not going to happen. All right, so in our second segment here, we're going to chat a little bit about uh, engineering, specifically this interesting device by NRG Systems um, to deter bats from colliding with or just being harmed in general by by wind turbines. And this is something we also talked about because, again, like with that Lake Erie uh, wind farm, there is a big environmental concern, and that's why they were trying to get them turned off in the evenings so that all the wildlife could be safe, which they said that wasn't even necessary. So anyway, but um, Siemens Gamesa has installed some of these uh, NRG systems. What do you think about this? I mean, do these have the potential to work? It seems like they have, I mean, is it ultrasonic waves? I mean, what are they doing to deter bats from being harmed? It's, it's a system that's based on ultrasound because bats see, essentially see with ultrasound. So they're sending like a radar or radio waves out and are bouncing back and they're interpreting those waves. A lot of other creatures do that. The problem is when bats get around, and birds for that matter, get around wind turbines, there's such a huge pressure differentials uh, from the pause, pl- pressure side to the suction side of the blades that uh, it essentially collapses their little tiny bodies because of that pressure change. So you want to really keep those animals away from the rotors. And energy. Uh, which is not very far from where I am. They're up in Vermont and they've been there for a long time. They've been in the wind turbine industry forever as one of the leaders in uh, sensors and measurement indicators and anemometers and towers and those sort of things. Uh, It sounds like they've been working with some of the researchers, which I recall was down in Texas, where they were doing studies of just basically putting out ultrasonic noise. They say, Hey, to, to make the bats not be able to process information that they would normally be able to process, so they want to avoid those areas. It's not harmful to, harmful to the bats. It's just saying, hey, this is a keep out area. And the way that the energy system seems to work is that you know, a lot of bats are close to the ground for the most part because that's where food is. Uh, they're not particularly flying up high, but as the rotor diameters have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger on the wind turbines to create energy when there's low wind speeds, the, the tips have gotten closer to the ground. So it becomes more important now that we we provide some sort of deterrent system and this energy system does it. it. It essentially sits up, mostly up the tower, it sounds like, and then where where the bats can get anywhere near the, the rotors and it says, keep away. That's what it says to a bat. And it looks like it's really effective, at least the the videos and things I saw a, a couple of years ago when they really started doing some of the initial work on this were really, really positive. So uh, great. That's great. You know, it's great for energy systems to be creating a system, uh, local company to us, which fantastic. 
And it's it's also great that Seamus Gamesa is implementing it in more than a couple of places, it seems like, where they've had large bat populations. Super. Yeah, and just like what we were just talking about, getting ahead of things where whatever people's objections are, I mean, it's just like being a good debater. Like a good debater is prepared to say, okay, what is someone going to come at me with? All right, well, they're going to say, oh, you know, your stance on taxes is no good because of this and that and that. And you try to be ready for them. So you, and so this just seems like being ahead of it. Where it's like, all right, we know mm-hmm. that people are going to come at us really just because of wildlife concerns, right? And potentially aesthetic concerns. True. So True. let's get ahead of it, even if it's not something that we have to do. Um, that way it's like, hey, wh- like what obstacles are left to put one of these in your area? which ultimately benefits us, you know, all in the long run. So it seems like a, a smart move and hopefully the technology works. You just, you wonder if it has the same lifespan as a turbine. Will it make it 15 years? It's a good question. That, that's a great question because those environments can be really awful. Yeah. But, you know, it goes back to the discussions we've had for the last couple of weeks, Dan, about the sharing of data. Are we going to get data pushed out for this energy system on how effective it is at, at reducing bat losses i hope so well, do you have uh that, that, do you have it, like your local gym or like a health health club or anywhere do you have like one of those uh water bottle fillers where it, as you fill your bottle it it the number ratchets oh. up because like thirty two thousand water bottles plastic water bottles saved that's what they need or like the mcdonald's sign where it's like 2.5 <laughs> million bats saved this year people are like oh man this thing is yeah. working that's what they need you know they do well. It's not pretty. It's not hard to determine where the bats are because you just put ultrasonic detectors out there, and you can <laughs> you don't know where the bats are flying at. So you can pretty well tell if they're getting close to the turbines or not, and if the deterrent system is working. You turn it on, turn it off, and see what happens. But uh, it, again, it gets back to if it if it if it is working and it's doing a good job, then we need to be advertising in the sense of scientific papers and research that justify its existence if it it, if it doesn't work and i don't think this is the case but if it doesn't work then we shouldn't be promoting it very long yeah and so lastly um new oracle by forbes explains that in the eu this year uh, from january to june wind solar hydro and bioenergy generated 40 percent of the electricity across their 27 member states, while fossil fuels generated 34%. So they outran fossil fuels. So we're no longer burning up all the dinosaurs at the at the pace that we used to. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about this trend? I mean, is this just going to keep running away with it? Or what's the what's your take here? Outside and wind, it's going to produce when there's wind. And um, so the one sort of variable there you can sort of control is the... Uh, sort of fossil fuel part of it I, I you know when you see stuff like this that's part of a calamity you know are we writing the right article right now I don't think so I think it's more important that we're talking about how we should get the economy back rolling again and it, I guess it's, it's a, a point in time you're gonna take that snapshot and record that data great but I'd rather not be stuck inside for six months <laughs> than than this yeah so um, it's kind of like one of those you know, like you could write an article about deer getting hit less by cars and like the deer population is doing great. Yeah. And so it goes, no one's driving because we're all stuck inside because of coronavirus. So same, 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 Which same is kind of effect. Totally true. Yeah. 
Totally true. Like the other day, we were driving down the street and there's a bear sitting in the middle of the road. Just chilling. He's like, no, there's a bear sitting I just in the, live here now. Just yeah, chilling. We're good. He's totally chilling. Yeah, because how many cars are coming down the road? Not many. So he got to the point yeah. where the bear He's like, I never get to, I chilling. never get to do this. This is, this is wonderful. Just find a pick, Absolutely a picnic right. basket and just sit in the middle of the road. Just kind of looked at us and then decided he was going to move on. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that was it's, it. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. That's an interesting take because you're right. I think it's hard to extrapolate anything from 2020 it's the, the year of just it's like this strange i mean 2020 just, yeah, just you know, wipe it off the off the map of history it's been so bizarre who's making your baseline 2020 right no one's going to make their baseline 2020 on projections going forward <laughs> nobody exactly yeah it's been but either way i mean it's a good trend that it's anywhere even close because maybe 10 years ago just still wouldn't have been anywhere close if we had coronavirus back then so at least it's going the right direction true Glass half, glass yeah. half full. Right. Directionality. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up today's episode of Uptime. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a regular here, thank you for your continued support. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out the WeatherGuard Lightning Tech YouTube channel for video episodes, full interviews, and short clips from each show. For Alan and all of us at WeatherGuard, stay safe and we'll see you next week. Is downtime causing you financial pain and putting a stop to your power production for months on end? It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help. Reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.